MSW Media. The rule of law is not just some lawyer's turn of phrase. It is the very foundation of our democracy. The essence of the rule of law is that like cases are treated alike. That there not be one rule for Democrats and another for Republicans, one rule for the powerful, another for the powerless, one rule for the rich and another for the poor, or different rules depending upon one's race or ethnicity. To serve as Attorney General at this critical time is a calling I am honored and eager to answer. So yeah, now it's clean up on aisle 45 time. And for a long while yet, it is going to be clean up on aisle 45. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Clean Up on Aisle 45. This is episode 82. It is Wednesday, August 10th. I am your co-host, Allison Gill, and with me, as always, if fresh from the lawyer dungeon beneath my home, <laughs> is a real-life lawyer, a host of opening arguments, my friend Andrew Torres. Hello. Hey, hey, Allison. How are you doing today? Uh, today is an interesting uh, news day so far. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um, between you know documents in the toilet and uh, photos of documents in the toilet, and then finding out the the lawyers that are representing Donald to the Department of Justice in his discussions for privilege, and finding out that it's nobody new and great. So it's just uh, you know Corcoran and that other guy. It's just it's fascinating. It's a it's a day. Uh, well, that is a tremendous preview of what we've got in store for folks, which I think they're really going to love uh, our uh, main interview today. And um, that the yeah, continuing uh, in legal incompetence of the the bottom tier of the bottom of the barrel of folks who are still willing to uh, take uh, Donald Trump's money and defend him in court. Um it, it reminds me, oh, my gosh, we had a fantastic live Zoom hangout last Friday. Mm. Uh, we try and do those once a month. And, you know, sometimes sometimes we hit the bullseye. Sometimes we uh, fall a little bit short. But uh, those are those are always great uh, for us to hang out with the patrons. And um, we had a pretty good, uh, pretty good attendance. We had a lively discussion and uh, and I had opened with the and you just see this everywhere from Trump world, right? The idiotic excuse of, well, you know, everybody deserves representation. And <laughs> and, you know, that the founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson and John Jay defended, you know, the the Redcoats defend, you know, who were charged in the Boston massacre. And it is always right monsters defending monsters who <laughs> use that well-worn trope um let's be clear uh that's a criminal case it is a founding principle of our nation that you have the right to counsel in criminal cases although you know it took until 1960 for that to be enshrined as an actual principle that affected poor people in the law but uh, sure yes to, i remember you know, that gideon v <laughs> wainwright uh but yep. um there is no civil Gideon. You do not have a right to a, 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 a 
I would argue, right, in some civil proceedings, you ought to, you know, custody battles, for example. Um, but uh, but until there is, you do not have a right to counsel just because you'd like to have a lawyer in a civil lawsuit. And so, you know, all of these chuds that are defending, you know, Donald Trump in uh, civil cases and then falling back on high-minded principles are misusing that principle. You can, if Donald Trump or his minions or whatever came to my office, there was no amount of money they could pay me uh, to, to take him on as a client. Um, yeah, but we're even finding in this in the criminal discussions with Department of Justice, right, <laughs> that we've got Corcoran, uh, if that's how you pronounce that, Rowley, who represents Navarro, Corcoran. Yep. Show, oh, man. Like, just still the same. Allow me, if, <laughs> if, if I may, to quote from Operation Ivy. Okay. Uh, I know things are getting tougher when you can't get the top off the bottom of the barrel. The wide open road to his future now is looking fucking narrow. Um, <laughs> thank you. That's Knowledge, Operation Ivy, the only album they put out, one of my favorites. Oh, uh, and that is immediately what I thought of when we when we uh, when I got that news this morning about his representation with privileged talks at the Department of Justice. And when mm -hmm. we had our fantastic discussion with our amazing guest who is going to appear later today. He is representing Michael Cohen in his First Amendment, and among other amendments, lawsuit uh, against Trump and uh, several people at the Board of Prisons. Uh, and um, that is a good friend of mine, Andy Laufer. We're going to discuss that with him. But before we get to that, Andrew, I want to know who our new patrons are this week. All right. Well, remember, you can support the show by heading on over to patreon.com slash aisle 45 pod. That is A-I-S-L-E 45-P-O-D and support the show for as little as a buck an episode. We have 13 new patrons this week. Thank you all so much. They are James Ruelas, Beth Bonnet, Anana Mice. <laughs> That's M-E-I-S-S. -S. I like that. Uh, Peter in Korea, Kate Rodman, Steve Proper, Michelle Nakamovitz, Victor Aranda, Trope Tweeter, Scott Johnson, Arnolder. <laughs> it's, that's even more Arnold than Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know. Arnolder. Melissa Wiebe and PJ Cormier. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. You get this shout out just by uh, giving us a buck. So uh, you want to do that? Uh, Patreon.com slash aisle 45 pod. And uh, you get access to our uh, hangouts, all of the bonus stuff that we do. And uh, you get to say, hey, I'm glad you guys are doing the show and I want to <laughs> keep it going. So thank you yes. all so much from the bottom of our hearts. Yes, truly. 13. That's that's, a, I think, a record recently. So we appreciate you um, very, very much. And um, I I kind of I mean, I don't think we really need to talk about too much other things that are going on right now. I mean, there's been some really interesting filings in the Rudy Giuliani case that he <laughs> wants to push his his hearing back because all of a sudden he's sick, even though he just traveled. Um, and so Fonnie Willis offered to buy him a bus ticket, right. <laughs> which I think is amazing. Oh. Um, it's just things are starting to get, uh, and you know, finally starting to get uh, really interesting for justice. Uh, and there's a lot of it. And we're going to cover those stories respectively on opening arguments and the Daily Beans, I'm sure. But what is not going to appear this week on either opening arguments or the Daily Beans is this really incredible discussion we had with Andy today. 
Yeah. And, and my little rant was, was part of the setup for that. Remember, this is a civil lawsuit being brought by Michael Cohen. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Andy will, uh, no doubt lay it all out for us. And, uh, and I I get to ask him a couple of questions about, uh, Trump's bottom feeding lawyer, Alina Haba. So, uh, remember, uh, she could have said no. So, uh, you you always have that right as a lawyer when someone comes to you and says, uh, hey, will you, you know, defend me in this obvious case where the only possible defense I have anyway yeah. um, is uh, you, you as a lawyer can be like, think we're going to take a pass on this one, Don, and uh, wish wish more would do that. And after, you know, after having this discussion with Andy, I feel like a lot of this is, you know, comes down to the law, but also a lot of it comes down to competence and representation. And Michael Cohen is winning when it comes to that. So <laughs> Michael Cohen's smart enough to, you know, hire competent outside counsel. So, well, we've we've teased long enough. What do you say we get to it? All right. Let's listen to that interview. So this is really exciting, uh, Andrew, because we're right now being joined by another Andrew, civil rights attorney, <laughs> who is representing uh, Michael Cohen in his First Amendment case. You remember when uh, Donald Trump threw him in jail, back in jail after he was, uh, you know, out on home detention and he was going to put a book out? And yeah, I, I don't remember Trump having any kind of a pattern of trying to punish people who were putting out books about him or anything. Uh, but the lawyer representing Michael Cohen in that case is with us. It's Andy Laufer. Hi, Andy. Hey, guys. How's it going? Great. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. So, I mean, why don't we just kind of start at the beginning? Uh, why don't you give a little bit of background about the case, your involvement, sort of where we are right now, and then we'll uh, we'll dive right in. Sure. So, as as we know, uh, you know, Michael Cohen uh, pled to a you know a number of charges against him related to campaign finance mm-hmm. uh, in, in the Southern District, and um, he was sentenced to a term. Um, and towards the end of that term, he's entitled to what's referred to as home confinement. Now, prior to that, um, we obviously had a little interruption in all our lives called COVID. So, um, pursuant to this horrendous, um, you know, uh, viral pandemic that we were going through, um, incredibly, Bill Barr and Congress um, passed the bill called the CARES Act, which allowed uh, people um, in lockup, in federal lockup, who may have comorbidities and may be more susceptible to, you know, more severe effects of COVID to petition their release based upon a health concern and get, you know, serve at least a part of their sentence on furlough until things calm down a bit. So he applied for this and he was granted mm-hmm. under the CARES Act. There came a time when his furlough was ending and he was supposed to transfer over to home confinement. Uh, just to just to clarify, so number one, the, the CARES Act, that the series of acts that were called the CARES Act were uh, the omnibus bills that contain various forms of COVID relief. Number two question, uh, to, to whom was that application made, right? Who, who got to determine whether Cohen qualified? Uh, BOP. They would do yeah. their own internal review. It wouldn't be any kind of third party, God forbid, outside, <laughs> you know, medical <laughs> providers or anything of that nature. It was, it was BOP. And, yep. you know, he had some difficulty getting that initially granted, but then he, um, he was granted it. You know, they, they found that because of his comorbidities, he was entitled to a furlough to get out, to get back right. into his apartment. And they, hence, he was, he was transferred to furlough. There came a point when he was going to transfer over from furlough to official, to serve the rest of his sentence under home confinement. And um, 
everything was set up the way it's supposed to. They had, an, uh, you know, BOP had an outside or, or, or parole probation had an outside company called Geo that would go to his apartment to process all the paperwork and have him sign the uh, agreement that would govern his home confinement. Uh, instead, in the last minute, BOP, uh, some of the named defendants, I think Adam Pakula, who's, who's, who works for parole probation, and his supervisor, Andy Phoebus, uh, request that Mr. Cohen come down to the Southern District, which is uncharacteristic, but, you know, they're allowed to do things like that to, to, to finalize everything with regard to his home confinement. He was then presented with an agreement which was very specific uh, about limiting his First Amendment rights to publish a book, to talk about the administration in a negative context, anything of that nature, you know, political speech, you know, prima facie violation. Yeah, and, and let me and again just to, yeah. to jump in to educate the listeners. Sure. So this is this is a two page document. Seven of the eight paragraphs look like they're boilerplate to me. And again, yes. not I have no familiarity with these. So, but you know, they are you shall not have any contact with any convicted felons, right? Like right. food shopping and other regular household errands must be conducted on your behalf by your family members, that sort of thing. But paragraph one says uh, as a as a condition of the release. No engagement of any kind with the media, including print, TV, film, books, or any other form of media slash news. Prohibition from all social media platforms. It's still go, going on. No posting on social media and a requirement that you communicate with friends and family to exercise discretion in not posting on your behalf or posting any information about you. The purpose is to avoid, give him at least credit for, for having this last sentence. The purpose is to avoid glamorizing or bringing publicity to your status as a sentenced inmate serving a custodial term in the community. Um, so so that's the that's the paragraph to which right. you're correct. Yeah, and it, it reminds me of uh, some singling out that I personally faced when I was working with the Trump administration where the regular old Hatch Act suddenly turned into uh, <laughs> uh, Hatch Act plus you can't say bad things about Trump specifically. Uh, you can't post bad things about Trump on social media. You can't be uh, posting resist uh, tweets like he got real specific. Right. Uh, and uh, and then like I got real specific uh, telework agreements that, that right. I was supposed to sign that that were also curbing my 1A rights. Sure. Uh, so this sounds super duper familiar to me taking a regular old document like the nice old hatch act and modifying it to your own political benefit exactly which is you know it flies in the face of, of, of what our nation stands for first amendment you know political speech i mean it, 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 this is an inalienable right this cannot be taken away from us we cannot be retaliated uh against uh for the lawful exercise so well, can, I, can i let me let me push that let me do a little devil's advocacy here right because one of the uh, I, I knew right kindred <laughs> kindred spirit so i yes. knew you'd welcome it um one of the things that we've seen disturbingly so right like if, uh, uh judge parker in, in michigan uh made this comment in sanctioning all the the kraken attorneys right is using the judicial misusing the judicial process for uh, uh you know p political public spectacles right and so and and in particular then using it to fundraise so suppose you had a sydney powell right who uh was uh, you know indicted uh, in connection with uh, the one six insurrection let's hope that that happens right um and and i could see uh you know a a, a, a biden uh, garland uh, doj saying 
Yeah. Uh, okay. But like the second we let you out, you're going to get back on your computer. You're going to go to defending the Republic and, you know, you're going to start up some like cockamamie nonsense crowdfunding thing. Uh, and you're going to, you know, violate that sort of fundamental tenet of, of, of criminal, uh, you know, of the criminal justice system that people should not come out of the criminal justice system better than them when they went into it, you know, more profitable than when they went into it. So I, I could see an argument that says, yeah, I get it. Nope. Free speech, super important. But like, we know what this person's going to do. Right. So how I guess I would just I would sort of throw that out there, say, number one, you know, you know, should I be kicked out of the country for thinking that that's a valid argument or number two, like kind of differentiate that, you know, distinguish from the from the code. Yeah, we, we can definitely distinguish that from what is going on with my client. Um, specifically, you have a lawful process being used for an unlawful purpose. They're going into court and they're abusing the process. It's an abuse process. So their goal is not the free exercise of, of, of speech, but to abuse the judicial system, which is why what they're doing is against the law. It's not a speech issue. It's an abuse of process issue of, of abuse of judicial, you know, the waste of judicial resources. And they should be responsible for that as opposed to here where my client, hey, you know, we're, we're just, you know, this is political speech. We're engaging in it. Uh, I have a, a constitutional right to engage in it. And now, you know, based upon his, my client's failure to sign that um, paragraph, uh, I mean, it was already preordained when they were having come down to Southern District that day. Um, exactly. They, they, you so, know, yeah, I, I did. I, if you, if you want to finish the history, I'm sorry, I cut you no, off. That's, no, no, it's yeah. fine. Um, so essentially, you know, immediately the U.S. Marshals come in, uh, the residential uh, uh, reentry um coordinator, uh, Pat McFarland, I think he's the he's his name defendant, you know, held him in violation of the home confinement agreement and had him remanded to MDC, you know, federal prison in Brooklyn. And eventually he made his way back to Otisville. Spent 16 days in, in uh, solitary confinement, horrendous conditions there, no air conditioning, insects, bugs, you name it. It, it, was, a, it was a disaster. Um, and they knew that he had comorbidities. So now they're putting him back into a situation which could risk his health and even life, potentially. Mm -hmm. So after those 16 days, his criminal defense attorney um, wrote a, uh, did a, a habeas corpus, uh, filed a KBS action um, before, and Judge Hellstein had it and uh, granted it. And, and essentially in the colloquy, in, in the, you know, in the, uh, you know, in the court, uh, testimony, he said he's never seen anything like this in the 20 plus years that he's been sitting on the bench. Clients out. So based upon that, we have two uh, types of lawsuits we're pursuing against the federal government and the individual defense. F the, the federal, under the Federal Tort Claims Act is one aspect, mm -hmm. the other is business. You want me to break those down more than half? <laughs> if you want to ask questions, I'm more than half so I, it, let's let's start off with with the Bivens action, right? Which is sure. I, to to grossly oversimplify for our audience. Our audience is pretty savvy. Uh, yeah. Essentially, the federal equivalent of a Section 1983 claim uh, for deprivation of your civil rights um, under color the, of federal law. The Supreme Court has been. Horrendous. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that good adjective, right? I mean, they they've been skeptical about expanding Bivens since the '90s, and yeah. I, I just sort of outright. I think I think Clarence Thomas wrote the last uh, yeah. Bivens decision, so yes. you know, it's e e e right. Yeah, 
yeah, in Ebert, which was a, a disaster. So, exactly. All right, so let's start with that. <laughs> okay, so we'll talk about Bivens. Basically, we have three causes of action. We have first, fourth, and eighth amendment. Now, mm-hmm. classic Bivens cases are first, a fourth, fifth, and eighth amendment claims. Fourth, search and seizure. Right. The original fifth is gender discrimination, and sixth is uh, you know cruel and human treatment, you know, related to a serious medical condition, things of that nature. Okay, so what we're asking, so is that is that really where you're targeting? I'm sorry. <laughs> fourth, yeah, fourth and eighth, we have I think colorable arguments for it. It was a seizure. You know, he was taken back into custody. Home confinement is not official custody, and there's a, mm-hmm. there's a string of case law uh, with regard to that. You know, under the Bail Reform Act, which is a Corey case, um, but you know, there's not a lot um, post sentence about that. But you know, home confinement, as far as I'm concerned, is home confinement. That's an argument made to the court. Um, but the real interesting one is we're asking the court to expand Bivens to cover First Amendment retaliation here. Now, prior to Abasi, Abasi, which was in 2017, and, and uh, Ebert, <laughs> which was <laughs> after we submitted our opposition to um, the defendant's motions to dismiss, uh, but the judge let us supplement. Um, yeah. You know, basically, expansion of Bivens is frowned upon. Uh, unless it's a very unique situation. And that's the argument we're making here. We literally have, you know, based upon the habeas decision, who was named in the habeas was Bill Barr. Um, uh, Carvajal, the head, the former head of BOP, is still kind of there. And um, the head of uh, Petrucci, the head of Otisville at the time. Those three have already been found uh, as a matter of law to have retaliated against my client for the lawful exercise of his First Amendment rights. So... We have them there, um, and you know we, we we've named you know the, the two the two probation parole officers, Phoebus, uh, Kula McFarland, who's their supervisor supervisor, and we also have our fun and loving former president Donald J. Trump, uh, who's a named defendant. Um, and you know the, this you know I'm I'm getting really technical here, but the standard that we have to really meet is under the Iqbal. You know it's got to be plausible. You know, Iqbal Twombly and all that fun stuff where our conservative justice say, you know, because we're not a notice pleading, we're a fact-based pleading statute in federal court, not notice, okay, like we are in New York State. So you have to really get into the, the nitty-gritty of all the facts and cause you relate, everything, meaning, you know, demonstrate that each individual defendant did something in furtherance uh, or, you know, to, to my client's you know, deprivation of his rights, okay? Uh, given what we have here in terms of what Trump did, well, given his history of retaliating against people. I don't think Allison knows anything about that. Or maybe she does. Um, yeah, if you, you know, need any pattern or practice, sort <laughs> of like, uh, you know, if you want to need to add on to the pile of, uh, of uh, you know. Uh, yeah, of can bring Trump's way. To- totality of evidence, you know. You just, you just let me know. No problem. Um, so, you know, we, we went through those oral arguments. Um, so they so they moved to they moved to dismiss. Did they right. move to dismiss the entire complaint or just the Bivens cause of action? They moved to dismiss. Um, well, we only had Bivens against Trump, which um, mm-hmm. uh, Haba is representing Trump on, and DOJ is representing <laughs> everyone else from Bivens and FTCA. So they moved to dismiss everything. Okay, and they threw everything in the kitchen sink. Sure. At that, so and we we've addressed each one of their arguments, and I, I think ninety nine point nine percent of their arguments do not hold water. And that and that's so that's been briefed, argued, and is pending. Right. We're waiting yeah. for a decision. We orally argued it back on August 2nd. 
Um, and I think you know, things went pretty well. Um, I really feel that you mean you mean last week, August second. Last week, yeah. I and and I I clarify that because as I have said on my show, I practice frequently in federal court, and I have gone you know particularly for civil cases more than a year. Oh yeah, for, August August second yeah. last year wouldn't be unheard of. Yeah, right for <laughs> yeah. for awaiting a ruling on a complex motion I think to dismiss. We're still, right? we're still awaiting rulings on uh, Mary Trump's case, for example. It's yeah, been quite a it, while. The yeah. courts are ridiculously over. We could double yes. the size of the federal judiciary and not put a big dent in the backlog. So, yeah. I mean, anyway. Clearly, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I certainly waited my fair time and, you know, waiting for decisions on various cases in federal court. So this one's a little, you know, obviously a little bit more high profile. They may, that may uh, encourage a quicker determination. The judge sitting um, on the case, uh, Judge Lewis Lyman, he's, he's great. Um, mm-hmm. He gave both sides ample opportunity to kind of flush out all the arguments. And he, he posed some really good hypotheticals and, having us deal with that. And, um, you know, and this is Southern district of New York, Southern district, New York. That's correct. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll have some luck and we'll, we'll get a good determination. I mean, it would really be great because, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, uniqueness. That's what uh, justice Thomas talks about in big bird, you know, and that they say that in the BC and and all these other that is, is, you know, expanding Bivens, um, you need to show a really unique situation. And I think mm-hmm. what we have here is a very unique situation. We had the personal attorney to the president of the United States <laughs> who had over a decade of, 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 a, of a close working relationship with him, who knows all the nitty gritty about Trump um, being retaliated against for not, you know, for, for the lawful exercise of First Amendment rights, being thrown in prison. You don't really get much worse than that, <laughs> uh, other than death being summarily executed on Fifth Avenue because Trump. It's almost like, what would you have to do to expand Bivens? Uh, like, yeah, well, this don't, isn't don't, it. don't put that question to Clarence well, Thomas. <laughs> but you know they, what I mean? Like, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's like, it's well, like when we ask about what happened on January 6th, if this isn't seditious conspiracy, then nothing is right. It's, yeah, I, exactly. I have kind of a feeling like that. It's yeah. exactly like that. And what SCOTUS, our originalists on the bench, want to see is an act of Congress. Um, you know, some of the arguments that uh, Trump's attorney w- was making, which I found incredulous, um, <laughs> uh, were, were things like my client, you know, has an alternate remedies, you know, and FTCA and Bivens, you know, the commentary, they're supposed to work together. They're not ultimate remedies of, of themselves. But putting that aside, she said, she suggested, oh, you could petition Congress to impeach the president. So every time someone is retaliated <laughs> against by the president of the United States, we should rally Congress to impeach and remove him. Because that's worked very well throughout the history of yeah. the public. You know, this individual, you know, is supposed to do that. And it's just crazy. Um, you know, you, you know, this you have to check. This is, you know, and they tried to rationalize that somehow retaliating against perceived political foe is within the outer perimeter of, you know, of the pre- of presidential authority. And and I cannot understand that argument. It's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. So, so sketch on. sketch really quickly the FTCA claim just so that right. we're we kind of bring it all up to to speed and then I want to I want to ask you about DOJ and I want to ask you about litigating against Alina Haba which both, both which of which is are, yeah. interesting but but FTCA FTCA Go. okay so what the FTCA is is an act that was passed by Congress which essentially waives um, the United States sovereign immunity with regard to negligence cases and and intentional torts and things like that so we have. You know, you have to follow um, a, a certain statutory requirement before filing your, 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 
your lawsuit, filing an SF-95, you know, like a notice of claim, outlining what your allegations are, what types of causes of action you're gonna be pursuing, um, you know, we're pursuing, you're basically applying state law to federal actors. And this gives us an avenue to do that, FTCA. Right. But, you know, you can't name individual actors, you have to just sue the United States. So we have false arrest, imprisonment, either it's a process, um, you know, intentional negligent infliction of emotional distress. I think those are the primary ones. There's a couple of others. You have some negligence claims, which we'll see what happens with those. And, uh, and, and are there related, I mean, I would think that, that the core question, right, obviously it's a very unique situation, but yeah. I would think yeah. the core question of revoking someone's right to home detention mm-hmm. is, and whether that sufficiently counts as false imprisonment or IID right. or whatever, that, right. that there would probably be some case law on that. Right. I mean, we found, you know, you know, going into the 1983 realm, you know, retaliatory, you know, uh, transfer of someone to another mm. prison. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is actionable. Okay, under 1983. Okay. So you can, you can kind of pop, you can kind of make, you know, equivalent arguments there. Um, that seems fair. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. you know, the thing is just, will the court expand the First Amendment in this case? Um, you know, I think it's got to be a really narrowly defined reasoning for that and that the, the, the facts surrounding this, um, this case are so unique and outlandish that it has to be addressed, that this, this is a necessity to, to address such abuse of power where someone was incarcerated. Now, the big argument that DOJ is having with, with me on, on that is that home confinements, can stay, they're claiming that it's official custody, it's not. Under the, mm-hmm. under the pretrial detention, Rulings. I was going to. I was. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that because if yeah. if if the DOJ sees home confinement as custody, right? Yeah. Detainment. But then then because like I feel like they can't have it both ways. I feel yeah, like they, they can't, can't call they can't. it. They can't call it a prison and then not say we're we, we're taking you from your really nice home confinement prison to this really shitty prison for no reason. Right. They can't use it as a sword and a shield, as we yes. love in the parlance we love to say in the legal world. You know what they're doing here? Um, they've successfully argued. Time and time again, and there's a tremendous amount of case law that they've worked up where they say home confinement is not official custody under the Bail Reform Act, under any act, under any situation, you know, for pretrial detainees. Because pretrial detainees a number of times try to get home detention credited to their sentences. And they oh. can't. And they can't because they, it's not official custody. So now they're saying, oh, but it is official custody. So okay. we're allowed to transfer them anywhere we want, you know. That was where my brain very first went was yeah, when so, I was like, well, how can they argue one and not the other? That That's immediately exactly, where I went. Exactly. Spot on. And, 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 you know, he, <laughs> he can have like a gin and tonic, you know, in his house or whatever. And all of a sudden we're going to have federal marshals come in just to arrest them because they feel like transferring back to prison. It's not how it works. Um, you know, it's a, there's a, you know, and we have on top of all that, we have a, we have judge Hellerstein from the Southern district on the habeas petition stating that the defendants violated uh, Mr. Cohen's First Amendment rights for the lawful exercise of his political speech. I remember just, that, yeah. You know, we just have that order. So it's not a he said, she said. Um, much more difficult if I had to deal with that. The court would probably not expand First Amendment. Mm-hmm. And it would be difficult for me to get fourth and eighth there uh, as well. Here, we've got, we've got a ruling. And I think that's going to get us past at least the motion to dismiss stage uh, into discovery. Um, I, I really feel that, you know, we will get like the judge would say, we're going to need to let the, the jury decide on this. Um, well, not necessarily the jury, cause they'll get a second bite at it, but 
Yes. And just to, clar- <laughs> just to clarify, um, under the FTCA, we don't get a jury, so it would be a bifurcated trial. Under Bivens, we do get a jury trial. So, well, and, I, and I asked that because, and, and Andrew, you know where I'm going to go with this, because in the Sussman case where we were like, this is obviously a bullshit, you know, charge. Uh, but the judge was like, yeah, you're you're full of shit, uh, but we're going to let a jury tell you you're full of shit. <laughs> so yeah. that's sort of where I was kind of basing that. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. That's good. It, 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 it occurs to me, and, and curious your thought process here, that if you survive the motion to dismiss, right, then the equities at DOJ probably shift in favor of them sitting down with you to reach a, a settlement, right? Yeah. Like in other words, I can understand why the DOJ would want to defend, whether we agree with it or not, uh, that principle of uh, home confinement counts as custody. But but once a court has said, well, I'm open to the idea that maybe it isn't, right? Mm-hmm. Then they're strongly incentivized not to have uh, an official ruling on the merits by a court that says, Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the opposite. And <laughs> yeah. so leave it as an unsettled question, you know, settle yeah. with you and your client, get out, and then, yeah. you know, it, it'd be kick the can them, down the road. It'd yeah. be prudent for them to do that. I mean, personally, yeah. I think they should have reached out to Mr. Cohen beforehand. Even I, yeah. before I got involved, but you know how that yeah. works. I mean, we have to. So we only, I, I, I have to know. <laughs> I was going to say, we only have a couple minutes left before before I, I, uh, Torres I'm, has to leave. And you, said, you want to know. Attorney, I sometimes make intemperate remarks in public. Uh, it seems to me that Alina Haba is is truly stupid. Um, what's it like litigating against her? You you don't have to accept my characterization in any way whatsoever. But uh, right. yeah, boy, I was going to say, I was going to say, we only have a couple minutes left before Torres has to get out of here. And he really just, he wants, he wants. This to is, know this that. is. Why I wanted you on the show, man. Dish. We're getting to the heart of it. She's, you know, she is, um, I'll just say this she's not knowledgeable about the law in this area. <laughs> in this area. was apparent um, in oral argument. And she also, um, what I observed was she got a little contentious with the judge. Which is nice. something that's always a good idea. Which is something you generally want to avoid <laughs> over hypotheticals. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's that. And, and 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 I should and I should interject and say that the 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 rules of professional conduct uh, allow me to say whatever I want uh, as you know, kind of commenting here, but but require Andy to be somewhat circumspect regarding uh opposing counsel here so i i've put you in a tough spot and uh and and i appreciate that so we can we can go to to story that is just such a terrible terrible strategy to start picking a fight with the judge yeah i mean you know it's a strategy i suppose Mm. we've seen it we've seen it a bunch yeah. With um, with uh, cr- team Kraken Strike Force, whatever. Yeah, fights, horrible. So. I mean, it's just a grift. That is a grift, and that is just an abusive process. And um, those attorneys that willingly involve themselves and sign affirmations um, before the court and made representations before the court should lose their bar license or be suspended if they don't have a, a jaded history. You know, I, I just think it's um, really. I hope, I hope the court, and I think they have so far, really, really, really stops that type of activity down to ground. Crushes. Yeah. Here, here, here. Yeah. Well, 
this has been um, super fascinating because, you know, these two different things to weigh and if you have one, you can't have the other. And so uh, it's been really, really interesting uh, going through this. And I hope you'll keep in touch with us about uh, about what comes next. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Civil rights attorney representing Michael Cohen, Andy Laufer. Appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Well, I, I I just can't thank Andy enough for for oh. coming in and talking to us today. It was interesting to talk to to, to be surrounded by Andrew lawyers, uh, <laughs> but it was um, it was a great discussion. And you know, like I said, immediately when he talked about those two provisions about one where the DOJ or you know where where the defense says, oh, it's you know home confinement is definitely a, a prison, and oh no, it's also not. Uh, I'm like, look, you, you, I feel like you can't have it both ways. So this is a very, very well presented, well thought out case by Andy Laufer and his team. Yeah. And, and look, that's part of what good lawyers do, right? Is look for the position that your opponent, party opponent is taking in the present litigation and then figure out, yeah, is there a reason why they would want to be on the opposite side? Well, yeah, there's a good reason why DOJ would want to be on the opposite side of declaring home confinement to be custodial when you're talking about, uh, you know, good time credits and the like, right? And so, yeah, and especially in the, you know, with the concept of, of there being plenty of precedent yep. uh, of transferring people to shittier prisons as punishment. Yep. So uh, I I thought I thought that was fascinating. Uh, I I think he's great, uh, and uh, and I'm always appreciative whenever we can, you know, push push other practicing lawyers up to the same line that I'm at. So uh, so thanks, Andy, for coming on, and uh, and thanks to all of you for uh, for being here and listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Yeah, everybody, we'll be back next week, of course, and uh, I'll be in D.C. this weekend doing some stuff, Ooh. which should be pretty fun, and uh, maybe we'll have a little meet and greet there. I'll, I'll send out some info if you're a patron or a supercaster uh, to both clean up and uh, the Daily Beans stuff, and please tune in to opening our yeah. guests in the Daily Beans this week. And uh, whoo, it's going to be, I'm interested to, to know what we could possibly even have in front of us to talk about next week. Alex Jones text messages, which are now in the hands of the January 6th committee. Uh, it's going to get really interesting, really fast. And uh, we're so glad you're here. And we're very happy that we can present it to you. So until next time, I, I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Andrew Torres. And this has been Clean Up on Aisle 45. Clean Up on Aisle 45 is written, researched, and produced by Allison Gill and Andrew Torres with editing by Molly Hockey. Our art and logo designer by Joelle Reeder and Moxie Design Studios, and our music is composed and performed by Adam Orr. Clean Up on Aisle 45 is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.